0: The Catholic Church for more than 100 years has taught that all work has dignity, that every worker has the right to organize in a union and has actually encouraged them to do so. So I wanted to come here and be a part of that.
1: Without a vision, the people perish. And I I think that one of the things where labor and the church, my ministry, at least for me, it's like... It all comes together in that idea of vision, and the, the vision is as old as Sinai, and it's, it's refreshed in every generation, and I call it a prophetic vision, and it's God-given, and if we open our eyes to it, it, it is what allows us to say to anybody who's suffering or in terrible circumstances or in a danger It does not have to be this way. I am very big
2: on solidarity and working and standing together. We're going to have disagreements. We're not all going to feel the same way about different issues. But when we stand together, we are a force against those that are trying to destroy us.
3: There are uh, no white folks in the uh, AFL-CIO delegation from South Dakota. I'm indigenous. We have our CLC delegate is Mexican-American, and my vice president is African-American.
4: The Maldives have ratified the eight fundamental conventions of the ILO, which includes the C-87 and C-98, which are the fundamental like freedom of association and uh, collective bargaining.
5: I was the president of the uh, National Union of Nepal, and we have all sectors, from teachers to informal sector, and migrant workers. And uh, platform workers, all—all, all, which is called gig economy.
6: You're listening to the Labor Radio podcast daily, a special edition of the Labor Radio podcast weekly, coming to you from the AFL-CIO convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hundreds gathered for an interfaith breakfast this morning before the convention officially opened at noon. So our show begins with Father Cleet Kylie and Clayton Sinjai. Father Kylie is chaplain to the Chicago Federation of Labor and senior advisor to Unite Here, while Clayton Sinjai is the executive director of the Catholic Labor Network. Our other guests today hail from across the country and around the world. From April Lott, president of the Charleston, South Carolina Labor Council, to Cooper Caraway, President of the South Dakota AFL-CIO. Fatima Zimna is General Secretary of the Maldives Health Professionals Union, and we wrap up today's show with Laxman Basna, General Secretary of the South Asian Regional Trade Union Council. We've got a lot more already lined up for tomorrow's show, including an exclusive sit-down with Liz Schuller and Fred Redmond, who talked with the Labor Radio Podcast Network just hours after being elected President and Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Also, Karen Nussbaum interviewed a number of international trade unionists, which will be featuring in tomorrow's report. Here's today's show.
0: My name is Clayton Sinyai and I'm the executive director of the Catholic Labor Network. And why did you want to come to the convention? The Catholic Church for more than 100 years has taught that all work has dignity, that every worker has the right to organize in a union and has actually encouraged them to do so. so I wanted to come here and be a part of that. And what are some of the main issues that you're seeing within the Catholic Labor Network? The Catholic Labor Network frequently gets involved when workers are being denied a right to organize, but we also support the fight for family and medical leave, policies that uh, make it possible for a a worker to support a family, provide medical care for them and their children.
7: So if someone is involved in church and is also involved in the labor movement, what would you advise them
0: to do? to? try to raise awareness within the church. The first thing I would recommend they do is uh, if they're Catholic to connect with the Catholic Labor Network and uh, our organization brings together Catholic union members with Catholic clergy and religious and we can help you walk th- we can help walk you through having a discussion with your uh, pastor or uh, other or lay minist- social ministry leaders at your church about how to get involved in supporting workers who are fighting for a living wage. I just came out of an interfaith breakfast that the AFL sponsored in advance of the official convention, and that was a great effort. We'd like to see more because so many workers who are union members or aspiring union members are are people of faith, and many of them have not necessarily been educated in the issues that bridge labor and the faith community. And you also have been involved in other unions before leading the Catholic Labor Network. Could you talk a little bit about that? That's correct. I'm a member of uh, the Laborers International Union of North America, LIUNA. I come out of uh, a factory that they were trying to organize, but the union is primarily one of construction laborers. I worked on staff with that union for a good long time and uh, retained my membership in Labor's Local 11 based in Washington, D.C. I also served for a while uh, with the Amalgamated Transit Union as a Strategic Campaigns Director and uh, during my working life, uh, before union staff positions or anything like that, I had worked for the railroad, I had been a member of the Transportation Communications Union and also carried mail for the U.S. Postal Service, making me a former member of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Well, I love it, and I love everything that you're doing with the Catholic Labor Network,
7: and I know you have to get moving on your way, but thank you so much. Thank you, Evan.
1: All right. My name is Father Cleet Kiley. I'm a Catholic priest from the Archdiocese of Chicago. I serve as a senior advisor to Unite Here International Union, particularly for immigration, but also for community and faith community outreach. And I also serve as the chaplain for the Chicago Federation of Labor.
7: Why did you want to come to this convention in Philadelphia?
1: Some of the work that I've been involved with Unite Here in particular, we're looking at immigration policy and possibilities for reform. We really did a lot of work with other unions. And Unite Here was also a part of a coalition of unions called Working Families United. We were all very focused on temporary protective status. And we come to the uh, AFL-CAO convention and everybody's here. So it's, it's a great way to uh, reconnect. And last night during Trumka's memorial,
7: you gave a great speech. And mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit about your experience with Richard Trumka?
1: I first got to meet him. I was the president of the Faith and Politics Institute on Capitol Hill for a few years. And uh, we used to do a, a labor event, and I started working with Rich Trump Barbara Easterling, a few other labor leaders for that event, and I had seen Rich very much as a person of faith. He, It just kind of came out of him, and he immediately told me the story of this priest, which I referred to in the prayer last night, standing on the steps of their church, holding the cross, declaring the church a sanctuary for coal miners in their union. and. Uh, And somebody had said to us, oh, yeah, all the old labor priests are dead. And I looked at Rich and I said, no, they're not. We're just not organized. And he turned to me and with that big smile under that mustache, he tapped my chest. He said, I think that's your job to organize them. So I I started to do that. And John Wilhelm at Unite Here was like, yeah, you got to do it. And between that, the two of them and then some other, we were able to put together a training program for Catholic priests in Wash, in uh, Chicago for a week. We brought them there. We had 28 of them. We asked their bishops if it was okay to invite them, so we got buy-in. And, and out of that experience, we have today 40, maybe 50 priests that we could identify around the country that have the heart for labor, for workers' issues, have gone through some kind of training or participated in... Uh, workers' events of some kind or another, and I I have now housed that at the Catholic Labor Network. And uh, so I sit on that board, and I also sit uh, on a committee for Interfaith Network for Workers Solidarity, which we're rebuilding. Could
7: you talk about labor and and faith to you and to your congregations that you've worked with and organizations?
1: I think the Catholic tradition really got a boost from Pope Leo XIII, and this is over 125 years ago, in 1891, when he wrote Rerum Novarum. The key thing in Rerum Novarum, I think, toward the end, he talks about a a living wage, not a minimum wage, he really lays out the Catholic position on workers' rights, the rights to have a union the right to bargain collectively and that really set in motion i think uh, a strong tradition in within the catholic church many unions i think were pro- had their initial meetings in church basements before they as they were organizing back in 1900 1910 1920 and we've subsequent popes have written encyclicals to keep that current including Pope Francis who's been very strong on the support for workers the dignity of work the right to have and uh, and the place of unions and how important they are the last three popes have all said times are difficult but we've never needed unions more mm-hmm. that that they are the right tool all the problems any union local union might have they're still the best Vehicle for workers to organize and bargain collectively. And you're also speaking later today. Yes, I have an invocation today, uh, and then tomorrow I'll be doing a workshop with President Bob Ryder of the Chicago Federation of Labor. We're doing a, a a workshop on labor in the pulpit and other ways to interact with you know local labor unions and local faith communities. Without a vision, the people perish. And I, I think that one of the things where labor and the church, my ministry, at least for me, it's like it all comes together in that idea of vision. And the, the vision is as old as Sinai, and it's, it's refreshed in every generation. And I call it a prophetic vision, and it's God-given. And if we open our eyes to it, it, it is what allows us to say to anybody who's suffering— or in terrible circumstances, or in a danger, it does not have to be this way. There's another vision of the way things could be. And I think that's where the church and labor and so many of the movements that are here in this convention bring glimpses of that into our communities, into our lives.
7: I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. And
1: I'll be seeing you around here. All right. Thanks very much, Evan. All All right. Thank you.
2: My name is April Lott. I am actually from Charleston, South Carolina.
6: Do you have any uh, hobbies, favorite hobbies, things you like to do when you're not working? uh
2: I hold several different positions, unions and nonprofit organizations. Like I am uh, the vice president of the A. Philip Randolph out of Charleston. I am also a second, just elected, second vice president of the National Council of Negro Women, Bethune Leonard section in Charleston. I am also the president of the Charleston Central Labor Council. I am my own local president at AFGE Local 3627. And I am also the vice president of the South Carolina AFL-CIO. So when you ask about hobbies, my hobbies is union. I, I, am, I am. I breathe, live, breathe, eat union because it, it's a part of me. I work for the Social Security Administration, the hearing office. So we cover all social security hearing office employees across the country. My local, we cover eight states. Members? About 1,500 um, employees. So.
6: And what would you say are your top you know, one or two issues that are facing your members right uh, now?
2: Just pay raises just we're fighting discrimination, having a budget to where it can sustain adding on new employees we've lost a lot of employees because of covid and so it's just having a budget to where they can ssa can hire on um, employees that can do the work because we're serving the public Mm -hmm. we haven't you know claimants that are waiting months and months for their social security disability hearings, some that have been without jobs for years. So we need those employees in those offices. We need to be properly staffed in order to serve the public. So that's one of the biggest issues. I I actually have 31 years with the federal government and from the day walking into social security, um, just getting to see and know my coworkers and see what our issues are. I actually started as, off as a health and safety rep, just making sure everything was good and everything was nice and healthy and safe for the employees. And then I became the union steward for the office, and then I became executive vice president for the local, <laughs> and then I got the president title. So I, I just love what I do. I love being able to be a voice for some employees that are too scared to speak up and I love to be able to be part of change Mm -hmm. I mean because it only takes one person to make a change and I just love what I do
6: is this your first convention
2: this is my first national AFL-CIA convention what do you think so far yeah I love it I love it I love being able to connect with different people and because you never know the person that you're talking to, how your paths are gonna cross again later on in life. And this is all about, I am very big on solidarity and working and standing together. We're gonna have disagreements, we're not all going to feel the same way about different issues, but when we stand together, we are a force against those that are trying to destroy us.
6: Last two questions, Schuler of course, is uh, gonna, you're going to be voting later today. Yes. Thoughts about uh, the first woman president of I, the AFL-CIO as, <laughs> about time?
2: I have walked into many positions as the first female African-American president in a lot of my positions, and it is inspiring to see what she has done, and I look forward to see what she's going to do for this union.
6: So if if you had a chance to talk to Liz, what would you what would your advice or what would you say to her?
2: To keep doing what she's doing. There, there's no need to change. She is dynamic, she is she has a vision for this union and I stand with her. Hi, my name is Cooper Caraway. I'm
6: the
3: president of the South Dakota AFL CIO.
6: And you've got somebody with you today.
3: I do. I have my beautiful daughter, Luna Caraway. She's nine years old, and this is uh, not her first union event, but her first AFL-CIO. I'm a member of AFSCME, Local 519, City of Sioux Falls workers, um, and I'm the president of the South Dakota AFL-CIO.
6: Got it. All right. First convention?
3: No, this is my second convention. All yeah. right.
6: So, what do you think so far?
3: It looks good. The resolutions look good. There should be a spirited debate. There's some constitutional changes, which can be controversial, but it looks like the delegates are really representative of the membership across, across the country, and so they should be able to give some good guidance from the floor, um, and the debates from the floor are the ones to watch. Not necessarily what comes from it, but there should be some, some historic points being made from the floor.
6: So tell our listeners, what should folks know about your labor council and the issues there?
3: Yeah, so folks should know that South Dakota is the youngest AFL-CIO delegation in the country. Not only am I the youngest state federation president in the country, but we also have the youngest Central Labor Council president in the country. Uh, Her name is Tino Gonzalez, Uh, she's 28 years old. She's only a year older than I was when I served in that position. I was 27 when I was first elected to the Sioux Falls Central Labor Council. Um, And so overall, we have uh, the youngest and one of the most diverse uh, labor delegations. Uh, There are no. No white folks in the uh, AFL-CIO delegation from South Dakota. I'm indigenous. We have our CLC delegate is Mexican-American, and my vice president is African-American. Um, South Dakota is one of the most diverse labor constituencies in the nation, and we've made sure over the past five years take take to painstaking costs to make sure that our leadership reflects our membership.
6: Well, and let me delve into that just a little bit. So you're diverse in real terms and you're young. How have you done that?
3: There's an old saying, uh, the way to take the hall is to take the hall. We've done it through old fashioned organizing and campaigning. When I ran for uh, state federation president, uh, I started a year in advance. Now, typically state federation presidents are, are conducted within a few days of organizing at a convention. I started a year in advance with a uh, campaign commercial from the uh, from the same team that made Alexandria Cortez's campaign ads when she ran for, and uh, we had campaign literature, and I visited every single shop floor and every single local and asked them to pass resolutions tying their delegates to vote for me at the convention. But I met workers member to member, uh, and a lot of our other folks, young leaders, have done exactly that. It's old-fashioned campaigning, taking the campaign portion of it seriously, uh, not relying necessarily on how things go at the convention, uh, but really organizing uh, for a year leading up to their conventions or their meetings or wherever they're being elected. And this old-fashioned Fashion organizing uh, has really proven effective. We have a really high capacity to do good, not just in in a traditional labor sense, uh, but do good for our communities. Um, And I really saw that the way that the resources that labor, the political capital that labor has, and the historic institutions that labor has could really be put to use to serve those working families most in need, whether they have a union card or not, in our communities. Uh, Last May Day, uh, May 1st, we had an event called Serve the People, Build the Union, in which we gave away over 30,000 pounds of food to working families, wow. and 1,200 gallons to, to working families. So we had the, we had a whole, an entire 18-wheeler container truck. My daughter was there handing uh, out food wow. in the hot sun uh, all day long. Uh, and uh, we had over 1,000 conversations with regular working people about the PRO Act and the importance of passing the PRO Act. And we gave away food. This isn't means-tested. They didn't have to fill out any application. They didn't have to prove that they needed it. All they had to do is say, show up and say their families were in need and labor was there. And uh, as long as I'm in the labor, I will make sure that labor continues to be there uh, for working class people. When
6: How did you get into the labor movement?
3: I come from a, a union family in the South, a working class, mixed uh, indigenous and German ancestry family. My father's uh, family is a, a third generation German immigrants and my mother's side of the family is full indigenous American. Um, and uh, we, my all my gra- my grandparents, uh, most of my uncles, cousins, they were all workers at a steel plant in a small town called Lone Star, Texas. this place only has, it was one of those places kind of in the middle of nowhere where the steel plant is the only way that folks were gonna be able to feed their families. And so they took the union seriously and they took organizing and defending their contracts very seriously. So that's the uh, climate and I grew up knowing that the labor movement is the only only, uh, thing that we have that can provide the social change and all the different aspects uh, that we need. It can, the labor movement can save the environment, the labor movement can save democracy, and the labor movement can save workers' rights. Uh, And that's why I want to be... Uh,
6: You'll be voting on uh, the president uh, later on today, Liz Shuler. If Liz was here right now, uh, any advice uh, that you'd have for Liz?
3: Yeah, I would just say that uh, continue to be creative, continue to be innovative. Once you can, labor leaders I know, because I've dealt with this same thing. There's a there's a tendency to fall back on best practice, and that you're even encouraged to fall back on best practice. Uh, but a motto that my administration goes by is past practice does not mean best practice. And so as long as Liz keeps that in mind, she's the youngest AFL-CIO president we've ever had. She's the first woman, and so as long as she you know stays grounded in that fact, in in her youth uh, and in her innovation, and remembers that past does not always mean best, uh, then I think she'll do great things.
4: My name is Fatma Zimna. I'm from Maldives, Maldives Trade Union Congress.
8: Is this your first time at the AFL-CIO convention?
4: Yeah, this is my first time uh, in uh, United States of America as well.
8: And what sector of workers does your union represent? Uh,
4: the National Federation, uh, we have uh, affiliation with the uh, hotel workers, uh, education sector... Mm-hmm. Uh, health sector and uh, port workers I see yeah
8: those sound very different types of work yeah. what sort of challenges do they face in Maldives uh,
4: primarily uh, the the, fa- the challenges faced by the workers is not different uh, from uh, that around the globe we have issues of uh, like t- like Res, uh, dignity, respect and also issues of wages, uh, um, like fair contract, uh, social justice and issues of uh, like workplace safety issues. But uh, our main issue right now is that uh, unions are not recognized by the government.
8: So what sort of strategies do you have to... Mm. Right the, now, uh,
4: the Maldives have ratified the eight fundamental conventions of the ILO, which includes the C87 and C98, which are the fundamental like freedom of association and uh, collective bargaining. So we are like lobbying and negotiating with the government to enact an Industrial Relations Act And also, like filing a lot of cases cases to the ILO, working with international organization to build on the pressure, and also organizing workers in the ground to demand uh, for an industrial relations act. And uh, uh, as we speak, in the like, we just got our first minimum wage declared and implemented in January 2022. So was with a very active role for the past 12 years by the union so that is a wonderful victory
8: does that affect all sectors of worker
4: yeah it does not discriminate uh, any worker uh, like working in the mall if it covers all the workers including the public sector and the private sector but we do have concerns because uh, we are happy that the minimum wage came into existence but uh, Like we are worried that they have excluded the migrant workforce uh, from the minimum wage. So like uh, unions uh, will stay focused and again fight for better minimum wage and inclusion of the migrant workforce.
8: Is there a strong mechanism to enforce the minimum wage?
4: Uh, I'm afraid uh, we do not have uh, I- the problem with the labor is that we don't know we do not have a tripartite labor uh, like I- dialogues institutionalized within the government system so it would be a very difficult task whether that uh, really the minimum wage is being implemented or not but uh, obviously the unions would be having an eye on that and uh, try to monitor it
8: when you're not working in the union movement, what do you like to do? Mm,
4: uh, As, uh, like, I love spending time with my family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that now, for the past three years, union has been a part of me. So really, uh, like... uh, and uh, talking to people has been my favorite part especially the workers listening to them understanding them so that is a huge part of me now which gives a lot of uh, happiness and uh, purpose in life and also like uh, maldives is a beautiful country so i love to go to the beach it's very close proximity to us so like wandering in nature reading yeah so that's it
8: Thank you very much for sharing your time and your yeah. story with us today. Yeah.
4: Thank, Thank you so much.
5: I'm Laxman Bastet, and my organization is South Asian Regional Trade Union Council. It's of uh, eight countries, uh, India, Nepal, Bangladesh, uh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, and Maldives and Bhutan are not uh, member yet, but we are bringing them. So eight countries, it's called SARC. So, my organization is South Asian Regional Trade Union Council. We work together with uh, uh, AFL CIO's Solidarity Center in, in Nepal. And with all these uh, organizations.
8: In which sectors are most of your members working?
5: Uh, well, uh, it depends upon the country. I was the president of the uh, National Union uh, of Nepal and we have all sectors from teachers to informal sector and migrant workers and uh, platform workers all all, which is called gig economy so we have all, all sectors and uh, it also depends some of them my affiliates I have about 19 affiliates the big unions in the country and uh, some of them are only blue-collar workers some of them are uh, transport workers. So it depends, uh, country to country. So, but mostly they are general workers, I mean, all, all sector, all sector, we, which is existing in, in the respective countries. Uh, like uh, um, Pakistan has a peculiarities of their own. So uh, depending upon the situation of the country. So, uh, May 1st is the Labour Day in our part of the world. So, uh, in uh, every May Day, the same, same conditionalities, uh, the demands are the same for last 30 years. It doesn't change, because it's not implemented. Some of the, my, some of the unions work with the Solidarity Centre, uh, like in Bangladesh, in Pakistan, in Sri Lanka, they are working. But not, not every country, in Maldives also, they are working. And Bhutan, little sigh on union, uh, uh, they, 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 they don't allow the union yet. I visited Bhutan a couple of times and the government says, OK, Mr Basnet, wait a couple of years, uh, then we will let uh, the Bhutanese have their union rights. So they, this is sort of a uh, sort of things going on.
8: Do you have any recent success stories that you'd like to share? Well, uh, uh
5: there are uh, su- 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 success stories, but uh, we we have a uh, social protection in Nepal uh, after 24 years of uh, uh, of uh, persistent uh, uh, struggle uh, it's a tripartite agreement between the workers, and government and and uh, employer, and but unfortunately. It, it, if if uh, the labor labor law flexibility we had to give up the labor law flexibility so the implementation of uh, social protection that is 20% of the of the salary would be deposited by um, uh, employer uh, okay. as a provident fund mm-hmm. and 8% is gratuity 18% and 1.67% is uh, like healthcare, so that comes 20%, uh, their part of the uh, uh, action to be deposited in the bank in the worker's name, and the worker has to pay about 11%, so altogether 31%. It's not additional salary, it's it's, uh, uh, the raw, raw, that they deduct that much already Mm. uh, from the market rate. Mm. Uh, so, but they don't deposit that and so the, in one hand we are happy that uh, we could introduce in the parliament this bill and it was passed by the parliament but implementation is zero. So so whatever we had, we, we, we lost so this is uh, you want to take it the brighter side that we are happy that it was passed by the parliament but uh, darker side it was uh, stacked in, 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 in the in the shelves, in the cells in the cells
8: but it is now the law now it is the law right. it
5: is the law but government is not unfortunately is, has not been able to implement it
8: thank you very much for your time
6: that's it for today's edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, a special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, coming to you from the AFL-CIO Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Remember, you'll find all the Labor Radio Podcast Network shows at laborradionetwork.org, and you can also find them by using the hashtag Labor Radio Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Labor Radio Podcast Daily was edited by Patrick Dixon and Evan Papp. Patrick interviewed Fatima Zimna and Maxim Fastnet. Evan interviewed Father Kylie and Clayton Sinai. I produced the show and I did the interviews for Cooper Caraway and April Lott. And our social media guru, as always is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. For the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your vocal Labor Radio Podcast show. And thanks for listening.